Do you guys use this music normally, or is this like to make us feel comfortable? I'm doing it for you. Yeah, oh, I don't know what's nice. going on right now. I'm, I'm confused and afraid. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to make them feel a little bit more comfortable. I was actually, I have, um, I'm, I I usually don't like to give producer Dom Tramatti credit for much of anything, but yesterday on the show in the rights free music library, he found like these hip hop remixes of like uh, public domain Christmas songs. Oh, we know all about oh, it here. I was doing it yesterday morning. Okay. Hey. Laddie's been doing it for, I think, so, two, two weeks okay. now. So obviously much to the chagrin of the host. Laddie. So yeah. there we go. That makes more sense. We were planning on playing traditional Christmas music tomorrow. So well, traditional Christmas time. music, the hip hop remix, any genre remix, really. Mm-hmm. I'm good. So yeah. yeah, let's mix in the Christmas music. Maybe a death metal Christmas. Even for the rest of today. I can I, see it. I would love to hear that jam version of God Rest You Merry Gentlemen yeah. again. Trance is really into God Rest You Merry Gentlemen. That's your that's your go to. So, well, so it's just know. I like I like when Christmas songs include references to Satan. <laughs> <laughs> it's wonderful. It's yeah. Very touching. I, Touches my soul. I like it. <laughs> I like the one from Home Alone. It goes dun 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 yeah, dun dun Bell dun dun yeah, dun 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 Ding dong ding. Imagine that's what you get hired for. That's your job. Okay, oh. we have one thing we need you to yeah. do. Ding dong ding yeah. dong. That would be the best. I wish it's I had good, a deep it's enough good, voice. Yeah, good work if you can get it. Yeah. Oh, I wish oh, I had you're a... the ding dong guy. <laughs> and people say that to me all the time. <laughs> yeah, hey, ding dong. Different reasons. <laughs> uh, Halbert and Bruff brought to you by uh, the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today. Visit your nearest Delari. Acura dealer today, also by North Star Metal Recycling. I'm just really happy that people are texting in fantasy questions. Yes, I know. I, I was thinking of you, actually, when people started texting them in. You must be so excited. <laughs> so thrilled. Look at this. Durant's getting his coffee brought to him. Uh, I know. Um, so high, by the way, so thanks, high demand. Thanks oh, for asking, come on. Thanks for asking if I wanted anything, by the way. You're welcome. <laughs> uh, you have coffee. Not anymore. I finished it. Oh, sorry. I would have got you something. Oh, if, I'm joking. If I I'd asked. <laughs> uh, North Star Metal Recycling, Vancouver's premier metal recycler, pays the highest prices on scrap metal. North Star Metal Recycling. They recycle. You get paid. 1170 Powell Street. And we are live, of course, from the Kintech Studio, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, powered by thousands of five-star Google, Google reviews. Sore feet. What are you waiting for? But but by the way, on Christmas music, really quick. Yeah. I've got some questions because I promised people that I'd share my Christmas playlist. Okay. <laughs> and oh, yeah. Somebody was asking about that. The other yeah. Day. I need. Right. It's a thing. So I need to actually like tomorrow we need to like put some time aside and, okay. talk, and do my Christmas playlist. Yeah, sounds good to me. Yeah. A Christmas playlist draft. Oh, Christmas now somebody did text draft? in that they wanted us to do because we did the Christmas things draft. Yeah, all things because we usually do a draft with Dimitri. And I drafted God on Friday. Yes, <laughs> specifically was that yeah. first overall? No. Oh, <laughs> I tried to take Christmas music first overall, and Drance was like, "No, you can't take all the songs. I want one song." <laughs> and then he drafted God Rest You Merry Gentlemen. I wouldn't say I had a meltdown, but I had a meltdown. <laughs> Where was eggnog in the draft? It, no, you didn't go. No, didn't you take it? I thought you took eggnog. Oh, yeah, I did take eggnog. Wow, that'd, that'd be my first overall. I know. I'm a big nog guy. Yeah, love the nog. Light nog with some spiced rum. Let's go. Oh, all about that nog. Mm. I took uh, I took decorating the Christmas tree first overall. That's a good one. Thank you. That's, okay. That's wholesome. You. You, you know yeah. what else? Mine was very wholesome. Very wholesome. I took Christmas tree, 
Christmas dinner and receiving, or no, giving presents. Demi, yeah, I feel that's, Demi, lot, that's so Demetri adorable. Took receiving presents. I feel like that's a lot more fun though. The dread decorating Christmas tree, probably if you have kids, I would imagine. Yeah, but I, also it's just nice. Who I enjoy like decorating the Christmas yeah, tree. I enjoy decorating a Christmas tree with my wife and and my dog. <laughs> Airbud. <laughs> Could Airbud decorate a Christmas tree? Yes. Yes. Can, I think your, can your dog drain a three? No. Oh, okay. No, my dog's pretty useless, but like he's a good <laughs> he's a good boy. Um so yeah, maybe we'll get into your Christmas playlist uh, tomorrow on the show. And yeah, I mean, look, keep texting in your fantasy questions. Uh, actually, you know what? Well, let's do it before uh, before we get to the whiteboard here momentarily because I think it's going to be a bit of an abbreviated edition since we're on the morning show and we did one yesterday and not a lot has happened in between right. when we signed off yesterday and when we got on the air this morning. Uh, but we will talk about the game tonight. But somebody texted in, uh, starter sit tonight, Nakua or Alave. And this is relevant because I have literally this exact same setup on my roster. Now, right now, I'm going with Nakua and I have Alave on my bench. I think that's wrong. Ooh. I think you play. You think Alave is going to outscore Nakua? I do because I think that it's going to be a Kyron game. Like fundamentally, I believe that this is a Kyron game. He's like the guy I'd most want of those three Rams position players. Um, but I don't have any Kyron shares, unfortunately. Uh, and then I think that like we're seeing a healthier Cup get a higher proportion of targets. Like mm. I still think Nakua is a good start. Don't get me wrong, but I think the my my view of it is like. Uh, of the Rams players, I'd rank Kyron one, Cup two, Nakua three, and then I get a little nervous because I think the Saints defense is a little bit soft right now. Like, I don't think they're nearly as imposing as they were early in the year, and I think the game script is going to favor Olave, like, fundamentally here. So, does how much does the calculus change based on the fact that I have Kyron Williams? Like, do I, does that push me even more to Alave? You well, know then, what I yeah, mean? No, no, no. Then, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Then I would yeah. go for the correlation. You yeah. want, you want Kyron and then you hope that you get Olave back from a big Kyron game. Yeah. And it's, and it's got the fourth highest, uh, it's got the fourth highest over this week. Like that game's a game you want shares in. Um, you know, I wouldn't necessarily hesitate to start all three, depending on your other options either. I, again, I like Nakua as a start. I just think you start Olave over Nakua given you know the shape of what's what's gashed the the Saints defense of late has been the run game and if the Saints defense gets gashed Olave is going to get his in the second half mm. uh all right we'll uh, we can do more uh, fantasy football questions if you have them text in 650 650 to the Dunbar Lumber text line but right now let's do the whiteboard <laughs> All right, now, fellas, hey, let's focus up, huh? So uh, if you haven't listened to Canucks Talk, and I mean, first of all, how dare you? No, no, no. Uh, but if you haven't listened to uh, Canucks Talk recently, we've started doing the whiteboard every day, your daily deep dive into what's up with the Canucks. This is it for today, December 21st, and we'll run through a bunch of different categories. Your headlines, uh, the rumor mill in the broadsheet, the lineup notes, Gambling odds, playoff projection, all of that. We'll start with the headlines, which is the Canucks look to stay red hot tonight, wrapping up the road trip in Dallas against the Stars. And like, have we moved past looking at this as a measuring stick game for the Canucks? Or is this still a measuring stick game against a team that, you know, went deep in the playoff last year, still in the mix for the Central Division lead? I was going to say. No, I, I mean... The Canucks have played them. The Canucks have played yeah. them, and I think we're over, or we should be over, 
you know, with the exception of, like, honestly, with the exception of this team bumping into Boston, L.A., Vegas, you know, those those teams, I think, still think we would call measuring stick games, like Carolina, New Jersey. But, I, you know, Dallas, whatever, they've played them already. They beat them already. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, at this point, the Canucks are kind of going to be judged against themselves here. You know, you win this and you're really one of the hottest teams in the NHL again for a second time with your only downstretch having been a 500 stretch. That's that's good stuff. Yeah. Um, in terms of the matchup between the Stars Pete and DeBoer, the Canucks. Pete DeBoer, the shoot from anywhere, yeah. plays into the hands of the Canucks. Against Thatcher Demko. And and yeah. look, against not just against Thatcher Demko now when we talk about the Pete DeBoer experience, but against the Canucks team that has really solidified their defense. And whatever you think about their status as contenders, I think one thing we've all been impressed with is the way the Canucks have limited grade A five alarm scoring chances against this year. The, their their defensive play is absolutely excellent, and I, I thought it was really good against the Nashville Predators for the first 25 minutes of the game, and then I thought they got a little loosey-goosey, and then they didn't pay any price for that. So, um, you know, the well, they did, but they <laughs> scored 15 seconds later. The Canucks' defensive game is, is really solid. Um, you know, their goal scoring for me is way overheated, but I, I absolutely buy that this team is stingy defensively solid um and and that you need to be against the Dallas Stars team that has a lot of depth can absolutely create um even if they don't always sort of prioritize quality the way some of the NHL's best offenses do yeah but still a, a very deep team as you said the other note the other headline going into this game is uh Jake Ottinger is week to week so yeah. we don't get the uh, potential American starters in a best-on-best tournament bowl between Demko and right. Ottinger, but plays in uh, to the Canucks' hands with Scott Wedgwood, I believe. I think it start. would be. I think it would still be Hellebuck who'd be like the guy to unseat. I think it's. It would really come down to like form leading into the yeah, tournament. Yeah. You know For what sure I mean? Like Hellebuck might have the edge right now, but it's the kind of thing where like six weeks could easily undo it. It's oh, not, yeah. it, it's, it, it's not insurmountable or even close to it by any stretch. Well, uh, well I think what's clear is it would be those two plus Hellebuck. A hundred percent. And then, and then, you know, I, I do think form it, and, and on and on sort of matters from there. I just think like, realistically, we know how national teams work. Like we've seen it with Canada. You kind of have to be unseated mm-hmm. if you're the guy. And I, I think Hellebuck hasn't been unseated because we haven't had any, Best on best, best on best. Far how, too long. So, so how long. hard is that for a goalie I, heading into the World Juniors as well? When you're like, yeah, you're going to be the starting goalie, but if you have one bad game, you're done. Yeah, it's tough. But also, they're goalies; they're used to that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like any goalie kind of knows the score that you struggle for two weeks. I mean, we saw it last year. Like it didn't take a lot of struggle for Demko to be losing starts. To, to be Spencer going like Martin. fifty-fifty with Spencer, Spencer Martin. Martin. Yeah, you know, like not even. Not even, you know, someone really good. And and look, I, I don't think that's different this year either. You know, like if, if we see a stretch where Demko's uh, 850, you know, he was 870 for a month. Uh, but but if we already this season, but if we see him go like lower than that, like an 850 stretch, uh, given how DeSmith's playing, we're going to see DeSmith get starts. I, I'd, I'd be pretty confident about that. Yeah, but... Uh... 
you know, I mean, we haven't seen anything like that from Demko this season, obviously. No, yet. but and look, Smith has been really good as well when he's. I'm just making the point the that that's yeah. like always that's, how goalies. That's the life, I think, yeah, uh, of a goalie. In that's the why NHL. they're all so strange. So Ottinger out week to week. Uh, Wedgwood gets the start in Dallas. That's the goalie matchup uh, we expect to see in Dallas tonight. Do you have something else? <laughs> no, I just. You know, I'm just plotting out all my golf references for uh, Scott <laughs> for Wedgwood. Wedgwood saves. Yeah. Um, in the broadsheet, the uh, the rumors and rumblings section, which is this is interesting. Now, I was hoping that uh, Elliot Friedman would publish his written 32 thoughts before we got to this section of the show or even before we got on air. I haven't seen that yet. I would anticipate, although who knows here, I'm guessing that I would anticipate a note or some sort of mention from Elliot Friedman on Andre Kuzmenko and the Kuzmenko situation because he's been following that story. He's been giving us updates. You know, he's he's had the line of, look, as long as he's on the first power play, I don't think this is a real, like the situation is is too dangerous. But as I made the point on Canucks Talk yesterday, you know, if you're in the press box, you're not on the first power play unit. So that scratch feels like a pretty significant inflection point potentially uh, for me that, you know, this the scratch in Nashville for Andre Kuzmenko. I'm going to be very curious to see what kind of reporting, whether it's from 32 Thoughts, whether it's from, you know, Rick Dollywall or anybody else or any of the other national insiders we get on Andre Kuzmenko, because it does feel like another development or more reporting, at least, could be coming on that front at some point. Well, and, and what we'll really get is an evolution of the story if Kuzmenko is scratched tonight for the fourth yeah. time. And I, I think most of us, most of us, most close observers of this team really struggle to understand, like, how does... How does Kuzmenko get back in, given how all four lines performed against Nashville, given how much offense you got from the likeliest candidates, right, to mm-hmm. draw out of the lineup in, uh, to allow Kuzmenko the opportunity to get back in? Like, Niels Mon, you can't take him out after a goal, surely. No. You can't take him out after the PK did good work. I mean, on and on. So, um, yeah, I mean, well, and it, it feels tough. And, you know, to transition to the lineup notes for today and the Canucks will skate in uh, in a couple of hours in Dallas. So we don't have a, a sense of what the lines are. But as you said, you played really well in Nashville. Does you- it's hard to see the coach wanting to make changes in that situation. Now, when you have a player making as much as Andre Kuzmenko does, maybe that changes the calculus a little bit. But I think the other thing is once you've set the standard that you're asking for from Andre Kuzmenko, right? And you're kind of saying, well, these guys are performing better at these things than you are. I think they give us a better chance to win. That's why they're in the lineup. How do you take those guys out when they haven't slipped from that standard, right? You're you're compromising your own message of accountability that has been so, so key. And to Rick Tockett's credit, I think he's done an incredible job of delivering that message, holding everyone to that standard, challenging players, rewarding them and acknowledging them when they get better, when they improve in the ways he wants. But you're really in this situation where I think you almost have to keep the lineup the same because it's not as if there was any glaring mistakes or guys slipping from that standard to come out of the lineup. Well said. I don't know. (laughs) I don't have anything to add. I mean... You know, I found myself just nodding along there. <laughs> Thank you, Ben. I appreciate that. <laughs> well, yeah, this all makes sense. No, I'm. I mean, the accountability side, the production side, the it, it, like you can't preach accountability and then be like, yeah, but we'll put you back in just because. You know what I mean? No, I. It feels like Kuzmenko getting Kuzmenko back in requires a compromise from Tockett, and I don't know. He doesn't seem like a guy I want to be like. Hey, let's compromise. Let's compromise. Like, can you imagine? Yeah, no. I never want to say those words to Rick Tockett. Rick Tockett. No. 
And, and you know what? I never will. So that's the, uh, the that's the big lineup question, obviously. In Meet now. me halfway here, Rick. No, I don't like, think that would go no, well no. for a player. It's like, like meet me halfway. Let's not do a puzzle. <laughs> I was gonna say, like, <laughs> can can I only scan the neutral zone sometimes? <laughs> yeah. <It's> like, no, <laughs> absolutely not. Come on, uh, playoff forecast for the Canucks still. 97% chance to make the playoffs uh, per Dom Lucision's model at the Athletic. Now a 21% chance to win the division after LA lost last night. But still, the Vegas Golden Knights per the model, heavy favorites to win the division now at a 43% chance. LA at 34, the Canucks at 21%, and then still the bulk of uh, of probability has them finishing either second or third in the Pacific division. But really, and as I was saying earlier in the show, you know, the, the odds we're going to be tracking and the percentages we're going to be tracking here are much more related to how likely are they to win the division? How likely are they to finish second and have home ice? And actually right now they're at a, uh, a 50% chance, I believe to either finish first or second to have home ice. So a coin flip chance for the Canucks, not just to make the playoffs, but to be hosting their round one series, uh, which would be pretty incredible, Dratzer. Pretty sick. That's pretty sick. And and sorry, you said 21% to win, to the, win division. the division. To win the division, 29% to finish second. Yeah, unreal. So as we move to gambling odds, yep. we're, we're ready to do that? Let's do it. As we move to gambling odds, um, Canucks are plus 250 now to win the division. Kings plus 175. Vegas plus 105. So even though K- the L.A. lost... I think Vegas realized that there was significant inefficiency in the way they were rating the Kings because the Kings have actually dropped Interesting. from plus 275 to plus 175 despite getting a, despite a, a split. Loss. Well, despite getting a split right. in this home or this uh, this road back-to-back set, road home back-to-back set, whatever. Um, and, and Vegas was like minus 150 and have dropped to plus 105. I, they lost to Carolina. Like, that's not... Enough. That shouldn't move your line that much unless you know that it was inefficient. Uh, plus 250 means the Canucks implied probability per Vegas of winning the divisions closer to 30%. So I don't I don't know that there's value there. I'd, I'd wait to see if the Canucks like sputter just a little bit and you, you can get them at like, um, you know, a plus 400, plus 450. At that, at that clip, I like them a lot more. I, I don't think there's real value there to be had, um, you know, Vegas, like the playoff forecast, has accepted that the Canucks are going to win the playoffs. We are finally, finally at the point where the Canucks are minus 1,000. So <laughs> we've gotten there. Yes. We've gotten there. It took They've a while. Bought it. They've bought it. It's happening. It took a while. So once you get to, you know, once you get to minus 1,000, just like so that listeners understand, Vegas, that, that's anything beyond that Vegas considers to be like a 10% shot, right? So this is 90%. I, I guess there's still value there relative to Dom's confidence interval, but but not a ton. But you're putting up a lot to, to win, make not a little, much. yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which like if you have that sort of bankroll, good for you. Um, <laughs> and we just sort of go from there. Elias Pettersson, twenty to one. Quinn Hughes, twenty to one to win the heart. Jack Adams, Rick Tockett, huge favorite. James Norris, Quinn Hughes, still the favorite. <laughs> like you know, you go down the the awards. It's unbelievable. The Canucks are favorite for like favorited for like five, four or five of them. It's un that's completely unreal, unreal. And then odds haven't moved for the Canucks in Dallas plus one twenty five underdogs on the money line. Over under still at six and a half. 
I think it's fair for them to be underdogs. They're on the road. No, they should. Team, they should right? be underdogs. Like, it was this four, is this four and six for them after the back to backs on the uh, on the weekend? So, do they have betting odds and how far they'd make it in the playoffs yet? Is that a thing? Well, one like, of those that come out. I mean, like, I guess you predictions. Get, I mean, like to win the Western Conference or something. I mean, or, you could buy them. Yeah, you could definitely buy them to win the win the West. Um, you know, they don't have like exactas up yet. Once those are up, we'll we'll sort of see the um. The one that I've been so to win the conference. Here's the odds to win the Western Conference. Ready? Vegas favored plus four two five. Colorado second plus four fifty. Dallas plus five hundred. Winnipeg Jets plus five fifty. L A plus six hundred. Edmonton plus six fifty. Canucks plus seven hundred. So the disrespect. Well, no, and you know that's an interesting thing, right? Like Winnipeg's that far, like a couple spots ahead of the Canucks. Yeah, well, there's, but I think that's a, a, a division thing. Right, because the central is partly a division way easier than the Pacific right now. Hundreds, well, partly a division thing. Although there's a ton of respect being given to Vegas, right? I mean, I think Vegas likes Vegas. They're they're big uh, they're big fans of themselves. So does (laughs) so does Macau. So it's not just a hometown bias. The I think you're right though. The divisional thing probably plays a role, and then also look Vegas. They're they're quants, right? Like. Fundamentally, they're looking at reams of data, the best publicly available data, some privately available data, too. And there is some skepticism on what the Canucks have accomplished based on their underlying profile and based on the fact that, you know, their their shooting percentage is the highest in the league five on five. Their save percentage is also top four. You know, I, I mean, I think the fact that Vegas has not a fade position on the Canucks. They, they believe them. They certainly see them in a, in, in a class like the difference. You go from Vancouver to Nashville, who are the next oh, yeah. odds, and you're going from 7-1 to 25-1. to one. Yeah, completely different. So they're putting them in a totally different class, but they're also putting them as the, the team they least expect to win the West of the seven clearly playoff-bound teams in the Western Conference. You know, I, I don't think you're wrong to interpret it as disrespect, but it, I think it's worth noting that, like, these aren't just takes from people like me or Dom, you know what I mean? Like yeah, the, yeah, the yeah. market itself believes that the Canucks are good, but not elite. And obviously Vegas thinks that the Edmonton Oilers will be getting into the playoffs and yeah. have a better chance to go deep into the playoffs. Uh, the Edmonton Oilers will be getting into the playoffs. They're, they're right. <laughs> uh, that's the whiteboard for today, December 21st. We will continue to look ahead to the Stars game tonight for the Canucks. Mike Heika, who uh, covers the Stars for DallasStars.com, will join us next, chat about everything going on with the Dallas Stars. And uh, maybe after we chat with Mike, we can get to some of the fantasy questions in the inbox. Oh, I'm, I'm in. Yeah. And by the way, if you if you think I'm wrong about the Oilers, plus 160 to miss the playoffs. So you can get plus you money go, on it. You can go bet it. You can get, don't get mad. The biggest case for the Oilers is not just the Oilers. It's that everyone else they're chasing is mediocre yeah, and unimpressive. Mid. Yeah, very, very mid. So it's like, yeah, they'll probably will. And they can move over. They have like a Mm. way easier path to moving over to the Central and and avoiding the three sort of Pacific Division teams that are top five in the NHL by point percentage than the Canucks do. Mike Heike talking Dallas Stars. That's next here on Halford & Bruff Sportsnet 650. Talking all Canucks all the time. It's Canucks Talk with Jamie Dodd and Thomas Drance. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.
Welcome back. It's Alfred and Bruff here on Sportsnet 650. Jamie Dodd, Thomas Drance, filling in for the guys for the next couple of days. Uh, Alfred and Bruff brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today. Visit your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. This hour of Alfred and Bruff is brought to you by North Star Metal Recycling, Vancouver's premier metal recycler. Pays the highest prices. On scrap metal, North Star Metal Recycling, they recycle, you get paid, 1170 Powell Street. We're uh, live from the Kintech studio, and 650-650 is the Dunbar Lumber text line. You can get your texts in, including your What We Learned submissions. We'll read those coming up at 8.30 in the final segment of the show, What You Learned in the Last 24 Hours of Sports. And uh, look, I'll be honest with you guys. We need more submissions, so get them in help us have an easier time at work by sending in texts for us to read at 830. So hit, hit us up with those 650, 650, uh, hashtag WWL into the inbox. But right now to help us look ahead to tonight's tilt between the Canucks and the Dallas stars in Dallas, uh, he covers the stars for DallasStars.com. He is Mike Heike. Mike, thank you for doing this. How are you? I'm doing good. How are you guys? Uh, we're doing very well. Looking forward to this game. Second meeting uh, between the two teams and should be a good one between, you know, two teams solidly in a playoff spot and to kind of look towards that part of the season from a star's perspective. I mean, just how would you say this season has been overall for Dallas? Obviously, deep run into the playoffs last year, and we all expect them to be a very good team again. How would you assess their season so far? Uh, both scary and reassuring. Uh, so they actually have not put together very many complete games. Uh, you know, they have a terrible first period. They have a terrible third period. They allow a team to tie the game in the final minute. You know, they're doing a lot of things that fans do not like, and yet they're 18, 8, and 4. So, uh, you know, that the great thing about all this is that, and the players will tell you, is we haven't come close to playing our best hockey yet. And we're still winning games. So uh, the thought process is that, you know, they're in a position to get better. Um, you know, like I said, there's little tiny things that are really good, like the, the uh, uh, Duchesne line has been fantastic, uh, and that's helped. Um, and then, you know, uh, different guys have had moments. Uh, Sam Steele, I think, has been a really good find. Um, and so, you know, then you also look and say, hey, the top line's not performing like it did last year. Uh, the group of defensemen, I mean, like even Miro Haskinen hasn't been as good as he was last year. Um, and, you know, obviously the Ottinger's out right now, so that's an, an interesting problem. But uh, the thought process is they're, they're in a place where they can get even better as the season goes on. And, you know, talking about that inconsistency, Mike, and, you know, some of those things that have frustrated the fans, is there? do you have any sense that part of that stems from, look, this is a veteran team that knows – you know, the stakes for this team are real. They're not now. They're not in December or January. They're in April and May. And, you know, I don't want to say they're not giving it their all, but is there an element of, look, they know when they really have to put a uh, uh, step on the gas and it's it's in a few months from now, not right now? Yeah, I think there's some of that. Um, I, I think it, it's funny. It, it's that old, you know, finger in the dike thing, the dam, where it, they fix one thing and all of a sudden something else goes wrong. And then they fix it. So it's like, you know, you can sit there and say, oh, well, they, they were having slow starts. So is that on the veterans? Is that on the top line? You know, is that on, you know, the best defensemen? And yet then they'll come back and those guys will be the best players for two or three games. And so it, it comes and goes. Um, you know, I will say that, like, I really like this coaching staff. 
Uh, I think they're they're very uh, intelligent. I think they they have a really good game plan, and so I think they know how to fix things. And going through all this can actually be a good thing for them. Uh, it's really hard to say. Oh, they're just you know I don't want to say cocky or whatever. Um, they are you know they they do have that veteran presence where they're very calm and they don't you know they don't panic when things go poorly. Um, so yeah, there could be a little bit of that, and, and and even us. I mean, in the media, I think we're like, well, you know, as long as they're good at the end of the year, that that's when it matters, because uh, we have seen, you know, back in the day, good teams that uh, just flamed out in the first round. So it's it's an interesting uh, dilemma. the The problem with trying to find one problem is, I think they it changes every day. Uh, so you know, that's just the process they're going through right now. Mike. We know that the Stars will be without Jake Ottinger here for a bit. We also know that Scott Wedgwood has filled in capably for this team over the past few years. Uh, how's it looked so far? What do you expect tonight? Uh, yeah, I like Scott Wedgwood a lot. And, and uh, I think the fact that he has had to earn this spot uh, over whatever, you know, seven years of NHL goaltending uh, has helped him a lot. He's in a, in a good place for this. Um, the... One thing I'm wondering, and so one of the issues they've had is they haven't been very good defensively as a team. Uh, their group of defensemen has been a little bit scattered, and then their their forward group has not been as good defensively as they were last year. Uh, so my belief is that they're going the coaching staff will use this time to say, all right, you know, let's try and win a game one nothing or two nothing, and let's play that type of game rather than the risky game we were playing earlier in the season. And then the thought is that if they can do that and if they can, you know, muddle through this and, and you know, get Jake back, then they'll be better for Jake because Jake wasn't that great before he got hurt. So, you know, I think it could be an opportunity for them to focus on their defensive game and get better in that area and, and help Scott Wedgwood. And with Ottinger, once he is healthy and back with the team, how much emphasis and, and concern is there for making sure they keep his workload down? You know, he started 60 games plus uh, in the regular season last year and performed obviously exceptionally well and had really good moments in the playoffs. But by the end of that playoff run, his form had slipped a little. How much do you think Pete DeBoer and the coaching staff are kind of aware of we really want to manage his workload to make sure he is fresh for us at the most important time of the season? Yeah, it's been an emphasis since training camp. Uh, they really have been concentrating on that. They have a, a couple new guys in here in the uh, training staff, support staff, and they're working on stretching with Jake and all of those things. Um, and then uh, the the split has been much more favorable in the first two months uh, to help Jake out, which is ironic because the, the, the injury was just a fluke. He just went down trying to to make a save on a puck that was wider than that. And then his skate stepped on the puck and that, you know, pulled his leg out of, out of uh, position. And so, you know, the, everything they're doing is to make sure he's healthy and fresh. And then he gets this um, last year was weird in that they did everything right. And then uh, Scott got hurt and they were in a battle for points, which I think, you know, is, uh, you know, you want to win the division and everything like that but they didn't trust their AHL goalies at all. And so they, they just rode Jake down the stretch while Wedgwood was hurt. Uh, so I think the hope is that both those AHL goalies, you know, have another year under their belt. And the, the, I think they need to trust, you know, goalie three and four right now. 
um, and, and possibly later in the year if either you know either guy gets hurt again. Um, so I think the, the whole focus since training camp is to make sure Jake is healthy and fresh, and I believe that you know they're going to be that team that gives him that rest. Um, but you also have to win games, and yeah. and every coach gets drawn into it. They got drawn into it last year, and hopefully they learned a lesson from that. And that even if Wedgwood gets hurt down the stretch, uh, then they'll they'll uh, rely more on their AHL goalies to to make sure that they don't wear out Ottinger. Yeah, we've certainly seen it here in Vancouver with Demko some years, right? Where it's there's a plan in training camp, but then you really need those points, and you're you're, you're yeah, gonna go it, to it, your guy. <laughs> and when when January February rolls around, it's like, oh, maybe we will give him this game that we weren't planning to. of the kind of areas of interest around the team this year. And we're so used to the combination of Hans Roberts and Pavelski being one of, if not the best line in the NHL. And you look at their numbers, they're all right around a point per game still. But, you know, it just hasn't been as dominant, as impressive as it has been in years past. What do you see going on with that line right now? Uh, probably a little bit of expectation and then a little bit of focus from the other team. Um, like Jason Robertson... You know, he's gotten swept up into a 100-point season. I mean, it's pretty cool. I am I scored 100 points. This is the most points since, you know, 1983 for the franchise. Uh, and I think you get into that mode where, okay, I got to score. I got to score. And you get that mindset. And so I think he's maybe leaning a little bit to the offensive side. Uh, Joe is Joe. He's leading the team in scoring. He does 100 great things. Uh, but he's almost going to be 40. And, you know, we're all just waiting for just a little bit of decline. And, you know, that may be happening this year uh, on the defensive side of the puck. Um, or, you know, it just may be that, you know, the other teams are focused more on all of them. And, and so that makes it harder. Uh, the big number that's interesting to me is obviously they've had just a little bit of decline in their offensive scoring. Uh, but they were three of the big, biggest plus minus players in the league last year. So Pavelski, I think, was plus 46. The 44 and uh, Hintz was plus 38 and Robertson was plus 31. They're all, well, I think uh, um, Hintz is a even and then Pavelski and Robertson are minus six, minus seven. And I know a lot of fans don't like plus minus, but I do think that's such a major swing that you have to look at that and say, okay, are they doing things differently where they're either not managing the puck as well and putting themselves in position to give up goals or just not playing as good defensively or leaning too hard to the offensive side of the ice. So I think all those things are in there. They're still a really good line. Um, the, the great thing for the stars is, is that the Duchesne Sagan Marchment line has kind of taken their place as the top line. So as uh, teams scout the stars, I think they're going to throw their better defensive players at Duchesne and that could open things up for, for Hintz Pavelski and, and Robertson. Mike, do you draw anything from the last meeting these two teams had? Canucks obviously shut the Stars out, although that required some truly remarkable saves on uh, Johnston uh, twice, I believe, uh, in Vancouver when last they met. What, what do you expect from a rematch here? Yeah, I, th I think um, they really want to uh, beat Vancouver. I mean, obviously the owners from there, they know that. I think they, you know, I think it's oh six and one, so seven straight wins for the Canucks. They know that, uh, so that can work both ways. Uh, we've seen games where they're really motivated and they just uh, play their best hockey of the year. We see games where they're really motivated and they grip the sticks too tight. Um, so I'm, I'm really curious about this one. 
Um, I thought it could be a really entertaining game because uh, this the Stars team has been all over the map, so they actually have been very entertaining. Uh, but I'm I'm really curious to see if they just try and lock this down and and try to win a one nothing two nothing game. Um, you know, we'll see uh, if they do that. If they get the first goal, uh, I think they'll play a much more defensive brand of hockey. If they don't, uh, I think they will have to try and and you know try and get in a little bit of fire hockey game with, with Vancouver and, and it'll be great for the fans if that's what happens. Uh, it sure would be. Uh, Mike, um, you know, I know we're in the roster freeze period for the NHL now, obviously trade deadline still a couple of ways, uh, a couple of months away in the new year. But if you were to try to forecast, what do you think Jim Nill would be looking to add to this team to uh, boost it for a playoff run uh, in the months to come? Yeah, we're all just waiting for a right-handed defenseman. And, Join the you know, club. I don't know if it's, yeah, <laughs> I, know. it's I don't know if it's Tanev out of Calgary. I imagine the, the list is very long to get him. Um, the, the interesting part about all of this is the forward group has been spectacular. They really have depth all up and down the uh, lineup. Uh, uh, Craig Smith, uh, Sam Steele. They've really added Radic Fox, who was a healthy scratch last game, and not because he's been playing terrible. It's just they they've got too many good forwards right now. Then you look down to the minors, and their two best uh, players are the leading scorers in the AHL in Stan Coven and Bork. So they don't need any forward depth. They need a defenseman and maybe two defensemen. I mean, if you talk to the fans, uh, the coaching staff doesn't have trust in Nils Lundqvist right now, and so he's a healthy scratch a lot. So if they can get that right-handed defenseman to play with uh, um, Haskinen and move Haskinen back to the left side, That'd be the best thing. And then the other question is, and the fans just, you know, would like to get somebody other than Ryan Suter in here. I don't think that's going to happen. But last year they added two forwards at the trade deadline. And both forwards were were really good in in Domi and and Dodonov. And so then the thought process is, you know, yeah, you need at least one right-handed defenseman. Could you go get two? Uh, So I I think that's the focus. I don't think they need any help with the forward group. Uh, I think they definitely need help on defense. And, you know, you mentioned uh, Stankoven and Bork, who are having fantastic seasons in the AHL. How like how much, I don't want to say pressure, but is this an all-in <laughs> year for the Dallas Stars? Like, how how willing do you think Jim Neal will be to pay a big price, potentially, to go get, uh, you know, somebody like a, a Chris Tanev or a right-shot defenseman that really helps them? Uh, not those two. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the problem with the stars is they've already given up a lot of draft capital. So it is probably going to have to be a player too. Uh, and I think last game is an indication that, you know, I think if you look at Nils Lundqvist, he's a first round draft pick. Uh, he's a skilled right-handed defenseman. Uh, he just, the, the, if the front office had its way, he would be in the lineup every game making mistakes and, and, you know, getting better before the end of the year. But the coach, right now doesn't trust him and so then that to me makes him the number one target for whatever trade they might make and I, and I think another team would be happy to have him and and could uh, manage him better than the stars are managing him right now and then the other one is, is Foxa he makes a lot of money 3.25 I think he's a fourth line center uh, he's very good at what he does uh, but they also have steel they also have Delandria you know they have guys who can do that same job Um, So my guess is those will be the guys that the stars put on the table. Then now you have to wonder what the other teams are asking for. Uh, It won't be Bork or Stan Coven, but they also have several other good young prospects in the system. Um, I think he's going to lean towards giving up one or two of those prospects 
because he really doesn't have the draft capital to give up right now. Mike, really appreciate the time. Thanks for uh, getting us up to date on the Stars. Enjoy the game tonight and have a great holiday season. Yeah, thanks. You guys, too. That is Mike Heike from DallasStars.com. It is pretty remarkable. And as he says, look, they're just really loaded at forward. But you do have to wonder at a certain point, like Logan Stankoven, what he's doing in the AHL, and not to mention Maverick Bork as well. If you're looking to just improve the team like those guys you've got to think are, are options at some point down the road for for this team this season for the stars yeah i mean you know the thing is is you don't want to bring up a 20 year old who has a chance to lead the ahl in scoring you know you, you don't you don't want to bring him up to play him on the fourth line like mm. if he's coming up he's got to play a big role you've got to put him in a position to succeed and i i do think the stars could find that you know like the Robertson Pavelski line, like there's a reason you haven't heard as much about them this year. They haven't been as good. Yeah. Um, at some point, I think they might need that scoring punch, but also the season's so long that at some point that opportunity is going to present itself. You know, uh, that Shane line's playing well. You, you know, are, are you are you going to take Jamie Ben off the third line and put him on the fourth line? Like, there's, you know, that's hard to do. There's politics involved in that, obviously. Um, is he better than? Evgeny Dodonov, like it, the the moment he steps on an NHL ice sheet, he might be, he might be, but I mean, it's just really hard to figure out where he'd fit in the lineup. It's a nice ace to have up your sleeve, though, no as kidding. a potential call up, right? And even if it's oh, you, you, your top six, one of your top six forwards, it's not Rope Hints or Jason Robertson. There's yeah. like a 50 50 shot that you're better. <laughs> you're just plugging this guy in. Yeah, that's a pretty good place to be in. Um, it's Alfred and Bruff here. Daniela Klimovich doesn't exactly offer the Canucks the same thing. All right. All right. I wasn't going to bring it up. Oh, I will. <laughs> oh, I know you will. I know you will. Uh, it is Alfred and Bruff here. Jamie Dodd, Thomas Drance filling in. 650-650 is the Dunbar Lumber text line. I wanted to read this one uh, from Mike, the urologist from Brockville, who, by the way, is one of the guys who gets his text read. I know that. And people always complain about it. But look, what are you going to do? He sends in good content. I was going to say, I was like, you're picking someone who gets picked all the I time. I know. But he sent in a good text he does. earlier in the show. He always does. I said, now that you guys are no longer strictly Canucks talk, I have an early Thursday. Ask us anything. Who has a better chance at playoff success this year? The Dallas Cowboys or the Dallas Stars? That's from Mike, Ooh. the urologist. I like it. The cross sport question i'm tempted to say dallas now, stars I'm, i was gonna say the stars just because like i don't see the cowboys getting past the niners yeah, i mean either and i don't think there's there's no there's team no in the western conference that's established themselves the way the niners has in the nfc right yeah. so the, just inherently the stars have an easier path to uh, to doing something yeah i mean i think you're i think you're dead on like you know the fact is is that like the planet of alderaan Okay. Okay. Here we go. Has a far better chance of having a good year in a galaxy without the Death Star. Right? I think they'd have a great year without the Death Star <laughs> in the counterfactual. I'm just saying. So the Dallas Stars live in a galaxy where there is no Death Star. Right. right. Like where, you know, Vegas and the and the LA Kings and the Colorado Avalanche, like, do I rate those teams as better than the Dallas Stars? I do. Do I buy the Dallas Stars or a bona fide contender thing? I don't. Right, I'm 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 probably one of the lowest analysts you'll find on, on the, the Dallas stars. stars. Like, you know, over, over multi-year period, I've been far lower on that team than most. I know it threatens your and Dimitri's friendship. 
That's true. He loves the Dallas Stars. <laughs> and I, well, and the Carolina Hurricanes. The the Stars and the Hurricanes yeah. are like our two sources, the only two sources of friction we have. Um, in addition to Dimitri occasionally tilting his face off on Sundays while I continue to text him witty observations about the NFL. <laughs> the fact remains that as much as I think those teams are better, quote unquote, than Dallas, like Dallas has Jake Ottinger, like Jake Ottinger might miss a month of games here. Yeah. Say Wedgwood plays well enough that they were really able to like keep Jake Ottinger's games played to like 45. That would be huge for them, right? At some point, a fresh Ottinger is going to matter in the playoffs. Like at some point, there's still a ton of talent. If you if you plug Stankoven in, like, and he blows up, I mean, there there becomes worlds where you can. If they add Tanev and Stankoven to this roster, yeah, and Jake Ottinger is fresh in the playoffs. Uh, again, I don't like them as much as I like Vegas and LA, for example. As much as I like Colorado, should they add a, an Elias Lindholm quality piece, but they're at least in the same class, roughly. You know, it's a it's a sixty forty max. I don't think the Cowboys are a 40 percent shot of winning no, the. No, like, put it this way: What do you think the money line on on the next Cowboys Forty Niners oh matchup boy. is in the playoffs? Like, are you getting plus two fifty on the Cowboys? Because yeah. you're definitely not getting plus two fifty on the stars, stars in any series, like series or anything like that. So I think yeah, we no, have to. Not. Anyway. Alderaan would have a good year in a, in a galaxy without the Death Star, and the Dallas Stars live in a galaxy with no Death Star. And I also think, you know, as much as the, obviously they're not, they're, they have no interest in giving up Stankoven or Bork, but there's got to be some sense of pressure to make a move. Like with Joe Pavelski showing his age a little bit finally at 39, he's been such a key part of that team. He's an unrestricted free agent. You never know what the future is going to hold for him. You've got guys in their prime like Rupe Hintz, like Miro Heiskanen, like Jason Robertson. Like there has to be some impetus to go for it and push some chips in at some point, whether it's with a Tanev, whether it's with another move. So I wouldn't be surprised if the team does look a little different and a little better uh, than they currently do by the time the playoffs actually roll around. So, yeah, I like, I like that. I like that question from uh, from Mike, the urologist. It's fun. And uh, by the way, I, the last time I was hosting the morning show and I read, I think, a couple texts from Mike and my mom, the next time I saw her, was like, do you think he's really a urologist? And I was like, as far as I know, I think he is. I think he's a working urologist in Brockville. This is all just an act to get read on the air. <laughs> Maybe if I give them a really uh, professional sounding job. Well, I got to read. If a urologist tests it, I got to read that. Yeah, I mean, exactly. come on. Took a time. Text in. Yeah. Urology never sleeps, as we say. That's right. That classic saying. Urology never sleeps. Urology never sleeps. Because he's always the first texter in the morning. Like, is, literally, yeah. we get in in the morning. I'm like, 5 a.m. Oh, my goodness. There's, There's a text a from Mike. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. He's he, The early bird gets the worm. Urology never sleeps. Urology never Sorry. sleeps. He's like the Batman Sorry. of urologists. The, the early urologist gets yeah. the worm. Uh-huh. Nightmare. That's a nightmare. <laughs> I, yeah. All right. <laughs> you gonna be okay? I mean, it's gonna be hard for me to get over that, but hey. <laughs> All right. Settle down. Stiff drink should do. Oh boy. Oh boy. I'm gonna firm up these puns. All right. That's enough. We're going to break. It's Halford and Bruff. A Thomas Drance joins the show up next here on Sportsnet 650.